send for the women. The women who will pray. The women who have talents, gifts, and resources. To do serious damage to demonic agendas. Send for the women. The women who will mourn. The women who haven't allowed bitterness and hate. To turn them into mere mannequins. The women who aren't so downtrodden. That they've forgotten how to feel. Send for the women who still have the ability to feel and cry. So they might wail against what the devil is doing. Send for the women who will weep and wail. The women who will mourn in sackcloth and ashes. Send for the women. The women who will wake up, everyone around them, calling out, the devil is destroying us. Death is on its way. Send for the women who will be God's warning shout to his people, his alarm system, his tornado signal, his air raid siren. The women who God will use to warn his people of the impending consequences of sin. Send for the women who have a God-given destiny to destroy the power of Satan over God's people by waking them up and calling them to a morning of repentance. Women who would teach their daughters to weep against sin and the assault of the devil. Send for the women. Women who have a destiny to open their mouth and cry against the evil that the devil has put upon God's people. Women who have ideas to be voiced, energy to be released, abilities to be exercised, power to be loosed, spiritual gifts to be expressed, prayers to be prayed. Send for the women who look toward the future. To what they can be, what they can do, what they can say, what they can pray, what they can possess that will bring glory to God. Defeat the devil and see a nation saved. Send for the women. Well, hello and welcome to Coffee Break with God, the podcast where we explore the wonders of faith in everyday life. I'm your host, Monica, and I'm so glad you're here. Each episode, we'll have a conversation with a guest who will share their stories, insights, and wisdom on how they connected with God in the midst of their busy and chaotic world. So grab your favorite cup of coffee, tea, or whatever you like, and join us on a coffee break with God. Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of Coffee Break with God, where we encourage the believers, the warriors out there, how to walk with God with grace and grit. And today we have a special guest with us, Beth Runkle. And her story has really impacted me because as a veteran, her life has been with a soldier and the opposite side of the flip coin as far as being a spouse of the soldier. And so we just want to welcome Beth Runkle to the show. How are you doing, Beth? Doing great. It's a blessing to be here. And I'm just really honored uh, to have gotten to meet you and then to be invited on your show. I really enjoyed chatting with you and we were getting to know each other. Oh, I'm so glad to have you on this show. And and um, Beth, we have a lot of uh, veterans that actually do follow me. And so to hear this story from the opposite side of the coin as a spouse of a, of a soldier, you know, re- I know your husband's what, retired now? Correct. And um, so give us a little bit of background of how long your husband was in, what branch, and um, maybe a little bit of your fun places that you have been to. And then we'll get into your story. 
And um, so I just want to turn it over to you and let you share with the people. Great. Awesome. Yeah. So my husband was actually in the Air Force. Um, He served for 25 years before retiring. Um, He spent uh, the majority of his career as a pilot um, and he flew F-15, F-117, that's the stealth fighter. And then he instructed in three different trainers. Um, So um, five of his years were before I married him. So I did 20 of those years with him. Wow. During that time, we moved 14 times. Um, (laughs) And he had four deployments during that time, countless TDYs and two command tours. Um, we lived in a lot of different places. Um, we really wanted Europe, um, mm-hmm. but that was not in our cards. <laughs> um, so, but we did, uh, spend two years in Korea as a family. Um, mm-hmm. that was a remote for my husband. Um, he could have done one or two years. Um, and we opted for the two to go as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably our favorite place we were stationed was actually a Navy base. Um, cause we did, um, Newport. Naval Station in Newport, Rhode Island. Um, it was just incredibly beautiful there. Um, the oh Rocky coastline, all the history that's there in New England. And my husband had just finished up a command assignment. And so also when he was there, he was just going to school. So it was just a, uh, we just have great memories of that year because um, he was home a lot more and it was, you know, kind of like reintroducing him to the children. Uh-huh. Um, so just a really great year. Um, we did, we spent a lot of time in Texas. We had four different assignments in Texas. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So you have, um, you have an equal balance of states and overseas. No, I would not say equal. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely spent a lot more time in the states. Um, mm-hmm. But we definitely um, had more assignments in not desirable locations in the United right. States. <laughs> um, they tend to put uh, pilot training bases um, where there's really good airspace, mm-hmm. which means mm-hmm. there's not a lot else. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, it, and I feel like some of our U.S. Um, not desirable location from a worldly perspective we're kind of like being overseas because you were really kind of in the middle of nowhere with nothing to uh-huh. do. But in those situations, you create great community because right. you are forced to, because there's really nothing else to do. Um, we were stationed in big cities a couple times. Um, and actually, that was a lot harder to connect to the military community because everybody's so spread out. Um, right. So, you know, in retrospect, Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Um, right. I can look back and think those assignments that we got that were less than desirable, right? Really ended up being our best assignments, and I think a lot of that is because I learned how to change my attitude, mm-hmm. um, you know, about those. And really, any a great place could be bad if I had a bad attitude, and a terrible place could be great if I had a good attitude. Right. You know, it's like, you know, I I was able to have the opportunity of be being the active duty soldier, um, going out here, there and everywhere. Yes, and, and thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. But then I also had the opportunity of being the spouse of an mm-hmm. active duty. And, uh, it, you know, it's, I think a lot of soldiers, a lot of the guys, they don't understand that part of life of, 
you know, the spouse having to make a new life everywhere you go, because the soldier, Mm -hmm. no matter where we go, there's a camaraderie, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, we wear the same. So we automatically connect, but as a spouse, it had to been really hard to connect, you know, with other wives and to be able to implant into maybe the FRG group, you know, the, the mm-hmm. family readiness yes, group. Yes, I know that's, that is. Yeah, that, that's what it means for the listeners. It's a a group of the spouses that could be together during deployments so to be able to support each other and help each other if maybe you have a, a new mom or, you know, the, the wives are able just to connect. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, and I know in the um, Air Force, for sure, that's more done by your unit. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have our FRGs, we call Airmen and Family Readiness Center. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's, it's something very similar for the mm-hmm. Navy. It's probably like Midshipman Readiness Center or something. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but So it's a little bit different, but it's the same function. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have key spouses. I think you guys have the same function. I don't, I don't, I don't remember what it's called either, but uh-huh. yeah, just, just for your listeners, it's the same function. It's just called something different. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I learned, um, our first couple of assignments were really difficult on me. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, our first year of marriage, um, we moved three times, oh, wow. um, and I had been very career oriented up till then. And so that was a huge shock um, uh-huh. to my system. Um, and honestly, um, I had to realign, you know, my identity in Christ and not what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, we start out our journey, not being believers. Um, and we can get into that in a minute, but mm-hmm. the first uh, several years of marriage were very hard, um, because I was having a pity party. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wasn't, um, embracing this community and, you know, trying to go all in and, I was spending a lot of time lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after, so we were on the move very frequently plan. And I, you know, basically once I became a believer, I had a discussion with the Lord and I was kind of like, I'm going to have to figure out how to shorten this time period, you know, between when I feel connected and when mm-hmm. I don't, because as I know, you know, Monica, you know, w- when we're in the military, either we're, we're in and serving or we are married to someone who is, or even their children. Right. right? our community is constantly changing because either exactly. we're moving or they are. Exactly. And so it's in constant flux. Um, so I had to learn how to adjust my attitude, um, but also be a lot more outgoing, um, take initiative to make friendships, take initiative um, to extend myself to others. And really that took vulnerability mm-hmm. on my part. So instead of, so, I, I mean, Monica, you may not have ever had like a normal life where you're not moving mm-hmm. all the time, right? But I had had a normal life up till the time I married my husband. Mm-hmm. You know, it would just take a while to make friends. Like when I graduated from college and moved to where my job was, you know, it would take about a year, you know. But when you're moving a little more frequently than every year or a little less frequently than every year, you don't have a year, right? Because right. you're going to be gone. Right. Um, so I just said, okay, I'm going to just like put myself out there and get real and vulnerable with people from really, you know, early meeting them. And mm-hmm. it was a risk, mm-hmm. um, but it was a risk. I'm very glad I took, mm-hmm. um, but I did take that risk prayerfully. 
But mm-hmm. I just kind of was like, hey, let's cut through all this surface stuff. And we're just going to talk about what really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually that meant I initiated opening up a discussion about that. You know, maybe, hey, I'm really struggling here, you know, or hey, I'm struggling with this in my marriage, or I'm struggling with adjusting here because of ABC, you know? Mm-hmm. So you guys came into the marriage, not Christians. Yes. Um, what, what was it that actually brought you to end? Did you both get saved at the same time or was it maybe your hubby and then you, or how did you guys meet the Lord? Well, interestingly, I, God was working separately, but also together on both mm-hmm. of us. Um, so I had been raised in a very loving home where we went to church every Sunday. Um, but I did not understand that I needed a savior. Um, I didn't really see myself as a sinner um, because my definition of the doctrine of needing a savior was really different than what the scriptures say. And somehow I had gotten into my mind that there was a scale in heaven. So like a weighted scale in heaven. You know, and that as long as I did more good things than bad things, you know, even if it was only slightly better, you know, kind of like I'd be okay. Um, And I would, you know, go to heaven. And my my standard was, uh, you know, I'm not an axe murderer. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I really never I had an intellectual faith. I knew who Jesus was. I believed he was God's son, but that didn't mean anything. They were just words. Uh, Yeah. And when my husband and I got married, so we moved three times that first year of marriage. Then when we moved to his first operating unit, um, when he was flying in 15s, he deployed just a couple months after we showed up in that new location. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he came back from deployment and two weeks later went to seven week training, came back from that, went on deployment. So it was just constantly gone. Um, and I found myself really miserable. Right. Um, And just kind of thinking, this is absolutely not what I signed up for. Why did I get married to be dragged, you know, across the United States and be left? And we also had during that time, like all these hurricanes and he would have to bravely fly off on the fighter jet and leave me at home to fight the hurricane and no electricity and flooding and all that. Um, But with my husband gone deployed, um, you know, when he came back from deployment, I said, let's start going to church. We should start going to church. That's what good married people do. There was no, um, I need a relationship with God, nothing like that. It was just like, let's just go check that box. Mm-hmm. But there were mm-hmm. some people there at that church that really took me under their wing um, and began to minister to me. Um, and during that time, since we had started going to church when my husband was back in the desert, living in tents, um, which I know the army does all the time. The air yes, force doesn't do. always have to do that. <laughs> Um, but anyways, he had his, I think he had two deployments where he was living in tents. Um, mm-hmm. but he was spending a lot of his free time, um, in the desert at the chapel, asking questions to the chaplain. And then he had some believers who were in his squadron, um, and he began having spiritual conversations with them. Mm-hmm. So he was seeking, I actually think he grew faster than I did during deployment. Um, and I had to get over the barrier that I didn't know Christ. Um, since he had not been raised as regularly church attending as I had that he had, he didn't have the pride that I did mm-hmm. just to be honest. Right. Um, but it wasn't actually until we moved again, um, 
And we'd gotten to a point in our marriage where it's just really hard, right? Because I'm like, I hate this life. You're always gone. I don't like the military. When can you get out? Um, And he, you know, he had just gone through pilot training. So he had a pilot commitment. um, And that was going to get him to 13 years. And then he's like, well, I might as well stay for seven more and get retirement. And I was like, no, we're getting out. Um, So our marriage had started to struggle too. Um, and it was a lot my fault because um, I was really difficult. Now, he was gone, but he couldn't help it, you know, duty to country. So when we showed up at our next location, my husband ran into some people um, that he actually used to hang out at college with who had not been believers them, and they had come to Christ. Um, it was another guy in the Air Force. And they invited us to get involved in their Bible study, and it was a Bible study on Genesis. Um, mm-hmm. And we were very eager to get involved, you know, just kind of, I mean, I had a Bible, but it had a lot of dust on it, um, you know, because I had not used it. I had not read it. I had not grown up in a denomination where you were really encouraged that you could understand the Bible for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that Bible study, um, we saw our need for a Savior. And we saw that we were sinners and that God's definition of sin was not my definition, right? His definition is, I mean, it's outlined throughout the scriptures, but one of the places I feel that it does it the most clearly is Romans 623, right? Right. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So the wages, what we get for what we've done, which is sin, even if we've only sinned one time. Mm-hmm. What we deserve is death. And that's not just death like you go in the ground and are buried. It's eternal separation from God. That's what that exactly. word means in the Greek. Um, and so just understanding that and like, wow, if I've even ever told one lie, that's what I'm going to get. Um, and then just seeing the character of God in Genesis, um, you know, so much of his attributes are laid out there in we started the Bible study when they were just turning the pages to Genesis 12 to begin studying Sarah and Abraham's life. Oh, wow. And in that story, um, the scriptures absolutely came alive to me because I saw my life being played out in this super ancient account. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I suppose I'm a little weird that I saw that in Sarah, um, but immediately I saw Sarah gets my life. And this God must care about me because he somehow and his sovereignty has divinely orchestrated that I would be put in this Bible study and learn about Sarah. And I mean, I felt immensely seen by the Lord as I saw the struggles that Sarah had. Mm -hmm. You know, when God tells Sarah and Abraham to go to a land that I will tell you, that's a permanent change of station. That is. Um, and they didn't have orders, right? They just had go to a land. I'm going to show you it. We at least had orders. I mean, sometimes <laughs> they can change, but we at least had orders. Right. And then I at least had moving vans. Sarah was moving all her stuff on camels and donkeys. And then, you know, she was constantly resettling. I was constantly resettling. I at least had moving vans, though, right? And then I saw Sarah creating community, you know. But I really, what, what I saw the most was her being willing to get behind her man and support him. And I I saw parallels between Abraham and my husband because Abraham went off and fought in war with his 318 trained men when he went to rescue his nephew Lot from the four kings. And he was fighting against four kings and their armies. And, you know, from my study, 
of the cultural contextualization of this, this was hand-to-hand brutal combat. Yes. Um, so Abraham deployed. It was a combat deployment. Right. Um, and so I just all of a sudden saw, oh, my goodness, my life is is in the scriptures. And then it just gave me a tremendous hunger. And then we did um, both surrender our lives to Christ. Um, it, it was on the same day. Um, wow. But we had kind of been on these parallel journeys that sometimes cross and sometimes, you know, did our own thing. And, you know, I really attribute the people that my husband flew with and that they didn't give up on him. Um, and they prayed diligently for him. It's funny. One of those um, guys that he flew with, he actually ended up getting out of the military before retirement. We lost contact with them. And then when we were stationed in Korea, um, I made a mutual friend and she was like, oh yeah, we're really good friends with them. Um, wow. Have you heard from them? And I'm like, yeah, no, I haven't heard from them in like six years or so. And so she um, connected with her over email and I was at that time leading a Bible study on base um, in Korea. And um, they had not known that we had come to Christ, um, oh, but they had wow. been praying diligently for us. And had not given up on praying for our salvation. Uh-huh. And I remember they would repeatedly invite us to church. <laughs> we, we didn't go. Uh-huh. Um, so it's super cool. We've reconnected with them and actually um, talk with them about every other year now. Um, but it had it not been for those, in my husband's case, fellow guys he flew with who mm-hmm. were willing to have spiritual conversations with him, I, I just don't know that we would have come to Christ and it dramatically transferred our marriage. So we came to Christ. We surrendered our lives to Christ. Like we're all in, we recognize we need a savior mm-hmm. um, and we want to follow him and he's so worthy of our worship. And mm-hmm. then we, we were kind of like, okay, we're all in for this Jesus thing. So we went to a marriage conference um, that was led by a ministry um, called family life, which is actually part of crew, which is the new name for campus crusade for Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's the ministry I work for now. Um, but we went to this marriage conference and at the marriage conference, they went over a biblical blueprint for marriage, talking about roles, um, how we're called to oneness and to resist isolation. You know, the husband's to be a spiritual leader. The, the wife is to be the life giving counterpart, you know, and it just dramatically transformed our marriage because we, our view of marriage at that point had been, you know, romantic comedies, um, <laughs> which might be fun to watch, but they're yeah. not realistic. Right. Um, and so that really got us on a great trajectory um, with our marriage, being willing to fight for it um, mm-hmm. and recognize that each other is not the enemy. There is an enemy, um, but he's Satan, you know, but it's yes. not my spouse. Yes. Um. And then at this conference, they told us, hey, if, if you're really getting a lot out of this conference, you two can take these principles back. We have these small group studies. You can take them back and you can lead people in your neighborhood. And my husband and I are like, we're going to do that because this is this is totally changing our life. And we know all wow. these military couples that we're stationed with. And at the time, we were at one of those bases in the middle of nowhere, so there's not <laughs> a lot to do. Um, so we went back and we just started leading small groups in our home. Um, and so we were investing in other people's marriages, but at the same time, we were making deposits in our own marriage, right? I mean, we just, wow. we need to be told truth, right? Romans 12 right. 2 tells us to not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by that renewing of our mind. And these were biblically based studies. So we were 
teaching ourselves at the same point that we were sharing this content with other military couples. And, you know, what we saw is this marriage is hard, but military marriage might be a little harder. It, it just is. seems like everywhere we went, we would invite people. We would invite people that weren't believers. Hey, do you want to come to our house and do this four-week marriage study? And people didn't turn us down because wow. they were desperate to work on their marriage. I mean, we had this one couple when we lived in Korea. They were firm atheists. And they were like, we don't believe this God thing, but we really need to work on our marriage. So we will come to your house oh, and man. use the Bible to work on our marriage for four weeks. Um, and that I, is you know, amazing. I mean, that's probably the most dramatic story, but we never had someone say, oh, no, we don't want to do that mm -hmm. because they were just desperate. And especially wow. when you're in a remote location, there's not always the greatest counseling, mental health support. Um, exactly. so not, not to say we were counselors, but we, you know, we, and we would tell people the first time we do not have a perfect marriage. Um, we're just imperfect people trying to look to God to help us, right. you know, look more like him. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing because see, you know, from a soldier perspective or as an airman, you know, with your husband, we are so, those guys that are up front, especially even in the jets, they are so close to death at any one point in time, you know, and to be able to recognize that, hey, we, we need a savior, that we are no different, even though we're out there fighting for mm -hmm. our country, yet we still need to be saved. You know, and marriage yeah, is in I mean, the military. Our founder of crew military, his motto was, I mean, not say it exactly correctly, but uh -huh. he started the ministry in the middle of the Vietnam War um, because oh, wow. he believed that a man or woman serving in uniform and subject to enemy lines deserves first priority to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ this time. And we were very burdened for the people that we served with, um, right. you know, and it's not just about where we're going to spend eternity. Certainly that's very important, mm -hmm. but it's also about the abundant life that we have and following Jesus in the here and now, right? Jesus right, said in John right. 10, 10, I come that you may have abundant life. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's the joy and, you know, our, our joy focus, not on our circumstances, which honestly, usually aren't very good when you're serving in the military, right. but it's focused on your contentment and your salvation in the Lord. You know, and two, it's like, you know, we hear of, you know, the divorce rate out there in society is high, you know, especially right now with the focus of financial stress right now in, in yes. society that puts more of pressure on marriages. And the fact that you have a high even divorce rate, you have a high, I mean, I'm talking high divorce rate mm -hmm. amongst military members. And to be able to recognize and say, hey, we want help for our marriage. You, you don't hear that. That's unusual to hear in, in the military. And Well, I don't know, know that they were seeking it out as much as when it was offered. It was mm -hmm. like, yes. And my husband and I are in full-time ministry now. And one of the places we do ministry is Fort Carson, mm -hmm. um, which I think, Monica, you mentioned you'd been stationed at. Or at right, least been I have. Yes. Right. And so there's 20, about 25,000 soldiers down there. Um, we teach marriage courses um, in the middle of the week down there. They're just small groups, really kind of similar to what we were doing when we were on active duty. We're just doing it now as volunteers. Uh -huh. um, and I, I cannot tell you the number of young couples that come into our class. They're in their 20s, and they've been married two, three times already. Wow. Yes. 
I mean, in, in the army life, doing ministry with people in the army, I'm like, wow, I wish I'd known this back then. And maybe I wouldn't have felt so sorry for myself yeah. because all military is hard, but I mean, army's like hardcore hard. <laughs> you guys are always gone. Always, always. You're I either mean, out in the field or at NTC yes. or on deployment, you know, and I, I'll ask the, the guys and girls down there, you know, that are, had, it seems like we hardly have anybody finish one of our semester long courses because they don't, mm -hmm. one of them, usually the, the spouse that's not serving will continue the course, but the one spouse, you know, goes away on deployment. And I'll be like, hey, how, how, how many months are you going to be deployed? Oh, not too bad this time. It's only nine months. I'm like, I just want you to know that's not an only when you're in the Air Force. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, it's it's crazy, you know, that that the you know, a lot of the our listeners too that that don't understand, you know, military is hard on the spouse, you know, mm -hmm. they are are left there to learn how to if they don't handle the finances, they have to learn how to handle the finances. They have to learn the ins and outs of dealing with society and taking care of the car, taking care of the house, the kids. Well, everything. and what is the law? It's like Murphy's law for deployments. You know, they're gone like a week and mm -hmm. something major breaks, your car breaks down, something exactly. major breaks on the house. Like exactly. it happens every single time. Yes. It doesn't matter what you plan for. There's still something that happens. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, I think a lot of, you know, there's there's a lot of growth in that woman that will stick it out with that soldier, airman, marine, what, whoever it is, Navy, to be able to stick it out and grow and let their marriage grow is, is such a beautiful thing to see, you know, and, and to come out and say, well, we've been married for 25 years, you know, and, and it, it is a, a great thing to see military members come out still together with their family. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I mean, the life that I had married to my husband was a lot harder mm -hmm. than it would have been, you know, let's say I married a civilian, but it made so much character building opportunity in me. And I truly believe I'm such a better person mm -hmm. because of the hardships, right? Certainly I'm a much better person because now Jesus is my Lord and savior and I have the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, just the, being conformed to the image of his son, I mean, just makes me a much better person. You know, I'm just, right. I was really selfish when we first got married. Um, and then we are, I all. feel like when you serve, the, when you serve the military, even if you're not, you know, I didn't wear a uniform, but those were my people. That's who I wanted to serve. Exactly. And we really taught our children um, to be servant hearted. You mm -hmm. know, that's one of the big servant leader, right? That's one of the big terms they use in the military, mm -hmm. right? But we were like, Hey, this is what our family does to serve other people. We're going to serve people in the military. We're going to serve people in our unit, you know, who have had surgery, need help unpacking. They need their house clean because they've had surgery. Baby's born. We visit people in the hospital. We, you know, we, we just serve. That's what we mm -hmm. do um, because that's something that we want to do to minister to God's people. But to mm -hmm. us, the, we felt that God was calling us as a family to serve our fellow men and women in arms and their families. Mm -hmm. Um, because that was just the calling, you know, I, I believe when God called my husband to want to serve his country and he's a huge patriot, um, you know, and he even went past 20 years, you know, he went to 25, wow. um, that God was, that was a calling, but I was to get behind that calling and embrace it as a joint calling. That doesn't mean I wore the uniform or 
I really cared about the details of what he did, you know, in an operational standpoint, but it was like, I'm going to serve these families alongside you and embrace this and be involved, not because I had to, but because I wanted to. Big um, difference. Yes. Yeah. So you, you guys went ahead and started this marriage ministry in your mm -hmm. own home. Um, what was the outcome of your first first time where you got together? How did families react to this? How did you know that you needed to continue to do this in other places? Well, I think we just got such great response, right? Just it's such a needed thing. Um, and it, like through, through different circumstances too, it seemed like, um, you know, God was bringing young couples to us who are really struggling being stationed at the remote location. Um, you know, maybe they hadn't been married as long as us. Not that we'd been married too terribly long. Um, but brand new married couples who were struggling, you know, and I just began to minister to spouses. Um, you know, it started out like I'm a new believer, right? It started out fairly simply. I just recognized that people weren't being welcomed when they showed up to that unit, right? So I just started baking cookies and showing up and, you know, I still had a job. I was working, but it was just kind of a way I was going to serve people. Um, and then eventually I began leading women's Bible studies because as the oh. more I studied scripture, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to be in this every day. And I need to share this with the women around me. And then, you know, when we would do a Bible study, a lot of times I use like one of Lifeway's um, workbooks, you know, mm -hmm. that work you through a Bible study that a, an author helps lead you through. And the cool thing about it was that, you know, we could do our homework, you know, let's say something written by Priscilla Shire, mm -hmm. that she hasn't written for military families at all. But we right. all have this shared language, this shared crazy life right. um, that we could apply the lesson to our lives and, you know, make practical applications. You know, what does that mean for us? You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're talking about like the grumbling that the Israelites did, you know, with Moses as they were traveling around those 40 years, right? You, you know, right. you you can make an application like, oh, wow, maybe maybe God's calling me to not grumble so much right. to my spouse yes. about the moving, right? Yes. So it's just a simple thing. Um but I think there was just so much reception to people want to do it. And then we just were like, this is investing so much in our own marriage. So we just kept doing it. And that's the way we created wow. community. So I also realized like it was a win-win. We were creating an opportunity for people and introducing sometimes people to Jesus Christ or just cementing them further in the need to be in his word uh -huh. and to define their life by what he says is truth and not listen right. to the lies of the enemy. But then it was benefiting our own marriage, right? And so it, it, it just was a win-win. And this is, this is the way also I created the community that I so desperately needed. I needed Christian community. It doesn't mean that I wasn't friends with people that weren't believers. In fact, I was because I'm very evangelical. But mm -hmm. I needed that firm foundation from which I could launch the evangelical side of me, right? Mm -hmm. People that could pray for me, people that could hold me accountable when I said I was going to have a spiritual conversation with my neighbor. Um, and it just made the transitions easier because we showed up somewhere and it almost immediately every place within a couple of weeks, you know, we might still have boxes in the house, but we were mm -hmm. having people come to our living room. And a lot of times we were living on base. So I'm not talking like a fancy house. In fact, yeah, I understand I, that. Don't I am not? You'll know this reference, Monica. Some of your younger listeners might not, but I am not a Martha Stewart. I don't think I'm a <laughs> particularly good entertainer. Right. You know, when I entertain, it does. It's not Pinterest worthy. Mm -hmm. Um, but I open my home 
as a pathway to my heart. And I actually try to keep the hospitality on the down low because I don't want anyone else to come in my home and say, oh, I like what Beth and Brian did, but I could never do that because it's so much work. I wanted it to look easy. Mm -hmm. And then we wanted to replicate these groups and say to other people, okay, when you PCS, you too can do this. All you need is the book. And, you know, my husband jokes around, all you needed was a book, how to tell time and to be willing to open your doors, you know? And a lot of times we had childcare in another part of the house or like when we lived in Korea, we lived in two bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, So the kids were at one apartment, you know, we did the study at another, but we made it easy. I mean, I might, I might bake cookies, but I mean, I don't even bake from scratch. Like I do the like separate in the little paper you the get, you know, cookies. yeah, the little like put it on the thing. Right. So they're baked. Um, I brew some coffee. I make mm-hmm. some lemonade. I mean, that is it. And I don't even make, I don't even do the cookies a lot, mm-hmm. um, but it's just like, Hey, come over and do life with us. And my house might not be perfect. And I'm totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. If there's toys scattered, I actually think that might be better. Because I want people to see that I actually live here. You you're know, real. That's your you real. know, sometimes, I mean, uh, do, you, have you, do you ever rush around crazy and you're kind of like a psycho person trying to get your house ready for people exactly. to come over? And so I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, we're just, uh-huh. I'm not going to do that. Um, we're just going to be real. Uh-huh. That is amazing. That is so, I mean, just the out. It's like the Lord, as you're telling your story, I mean, even when you said about um, Abraham and Sarah, I automatically clicked. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then you went right into it. And I was like, there oh, it is. Maybe it's because you've lived the life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, you're just it's amazing to see, you know, and it's really great as I do these stories with everybody is that as you hear each person's testimony, you see how God, as you listen, you see how God is planning each person's life. And you're just like, wow. I mean, just the hand of God. It is just amazing. We used to think, you know, am I the only one here? Am I the only one doing this? But then you were hungry to say, I need fellowship. I need to be able to be amongst the body of Christ and I'm going to make that happen, you Mm -hmm. know, and not a lot of people do that. They think that they're by themselves and they sit back and they're just, what was me in their own home, Mm -hmm. you know, but the fact that God gave you that drive to do that is because of the greater plan of going, okay, now I'm going to bring people into your home and you are going to feed them. The word of God It's just amazing. You know, how, he works. Well, and, and really all glory to him. I mean, I yes. am totally the wretch the song refers to, right? Without Christ. Right. We all it's are. All, it was all the Holy Spirit, you know, in and through me. Mm-hmm. So how did your um how did your kids react to all of this transition and to have the home opened up to be able to have all these people in there? How did they react to all of that? Well, when we started doing this, we didn't have children and we actually struggled with infertility. Um mm-hmm which is another parallel between Sarah's life and mine. Although God did not make me wait till 90. Um, (laughs) um, But when we first started doing it, um, we didn't have children. We were Uh desperately trying to have children. Uh They prayed for us. Um, And in fact, um, that small group was the ones who really supported us. Our first child's adopted from Russia. um, And we traveled twice. Um, Mm -hmm. You travel once to meet your child. Well, Mm -hmm. and sadly, you can't adopt from Russia anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the way it used to be and the way it is in most Eastern European countries is that you travel once, you meet your child, you go back, you wait for a court date, and then you go back. Um, mm-hmm. And it was our small group that pitched in um, to feed our cat, um, come water the plants. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, even um, there was some a couple engaged guys who were dating girls long distance who were coming to our marriage study. And they oh, like wow. they hung up a sign in balloons. These you know bachelor guys, um, they were Christ <laughs> followers. Um, you know, just and I just thought that was so sweet that these guys did this. Who don't you know? They they don't even have wives who can you know have that idea or help do it. Um, mm-hmm. So they Preparing were preparing them in advance. You yes. know? <laughs> well, and I think partly like they were really good guys. They loved Jesus, and they were already investing in their marriage, even then they weren't married yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, um, our kids did do a lot of moving. I believe our children moved nine and 10 times wow. um, before my husband retired. Um, and I mean, it's a mixed thing, right? Children are resilient. Yes. They didn't know anything different. Um, but now both my children are in college and you know, there's been some discussions when they come home that, you know, it really was really hard on them. So I'm, mm-hmm. I don't want to pretend that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like they just knew that on Sunday nights that mom and dad hosted people in their home. They didn't know any different because we'd always uh-huh. done it. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, when they were young, they honestly, they looked forward to it because other kids came over to our house and, you know, there was usually pizza for dinner or something <laughs> simple, um, or <laughs> chicken nuggets, you know, when you're a kid, that's super fun. Um, and yes. they were playing with other kids, but they just really didn't know anything different. That's just what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just, they didn't know anything different than mom and dad host Bible studies Sunday nights. And then I was doing it during the week with women as mm-hmm. well. But I think, you know, um, looking back on it, um, I mean, we, neither one of us grew up, um, in an evangelical home where walking with Christ was modeled, um, you know, throughout the week, throughout the day. Um, and so we did not have anything to follow, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I look back and I just praise God for how he led us that we desperately needed this. And then our children could see that mom and dad take Jesus and his word in their relationship with God throughout the week, right? And they saw right. us. I think it's super important for your children to see you in the word of God. Yes. You know, when my kids were little, um, you know, I'd get up before them. Um, but I, I went to some talk sometime. It was probably mothers or preschoolers, you know, and they were talking about your kids need to see that you prioritize your time. So it doesn't mean mm-hmm. that I wasn't just doing my quiet time when they were still asleep. Um, in fact, I actually had a rule when they were little, they couldn't come out till the clock showed a digital seven. So mommy could have time with Jesus because <laughs> mommy's a nicer mommy when mommy spends time with Jesus right? and mommy gets filled up with Jesus and not herself. Um, <laughs> but I did also be intentional, you know, that they would see me, you know, mm-hmm. just spending time with the Lord, you know, and it be, really being like a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, any relationship, we only grow closer to that person. We continue to spend time with them, right? If you right. have a best friend, but you don't talk with them once a year, like you're really not that close anymore. Well, it's the yeah. same thing with the Lord. Exactly. So that's just his grace, right? That he led us to, to kind of stumble upon spiritual disciplines, you know, mm-hmm. that we continued. And so he just gets the praise for that. 
Yeah, it's amazing. You know, uh, I was thinking of the verse where you were sharing that about how when the Lord forms us in our mother's wombs, that yes. he orders our steps before our steps can even be taken. And he did exactly that with mm-hmm. both of you, that he knew that he had designed you for a purpose to minister to the soldiers who defend our country, you know, and that your marriage flourished out of you guys to be willing to be servants for the kingdom of God, you know, and, and even to see your children, you know, to do that is, is amazing, you know, um, but where, so where are you guys right now? What are you currently working on right now? Yeah. So my husband retired a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because like right in the beginning, I was like, when can you get out? When can you, know, <laughs> when can you get out? When is your commitment up? Um, and then, um, when my husband was, uh, probably like a year and a half out from 25 years, you know, he said he, he felt like, you know, he had, oh, well, honestly, he had done more than he originally intended. 20 was always the goal. Uh-huh. Um, but when 20 came, um, my husband and I had uh, kind of had like a thing we would do in the summers each year where we would evaluate the last year and make goals for the next year. Um, and we really saw that God was using us more in the military than if we were to get out. And we really just both felt, um, commonly called that God was calling us to stay in past 20. Um, so that's why he went to 25, but, you know, eventually my husband said, Hey, I think he said something like, I got to tap out here, you know, like, (laughs) yeah. Um, and I kind of was like, oh, oh, wow. The, like, this is what we do. This is who we minister to. What, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, I, I can't believe you're saying this. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you want it out such a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I, I think part of the struggle was we we didn't really know what we wanted to do. Um, my husband didn't want to go fly for the airlines. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a natural progression for a pilot. Um, he really didn't want to be a contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just began to seek the Lord. Lord, what do you want us to do? Like, make yeah. it clear. We want to obey you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when um, we became aware. Um, and we were, again, stationed in the middle of nowhere, this time really middle of nowhere, three hours from civilization Wow! on the uh, Mexico border. Uh-huh. Um, and some missionaries who work with crew happened to come through the church that we were attending. Um, just and we just happened. <laughs> yeah. Right. God and his sovereignty. Um, right. And actually when we met them, my husband had not even decided that he was going to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, we exchanged emails, didn't hear anything from them. Didn't think anything of it. I mean, enjoyed our conversation with them. Um, and then about nine months later, out of the blue, they emailed us. Um, by this time, my husband had decided he wanted to retire, but we were um, directionless as to where was God leading us next. Right. Um, and so they sent us an email and they said, hey, we were praying about how to enlarge our ministry team here. And God, you know, put it upon both of our hearts the same week separately that we were to ask you guys to consider joining our ministry team. Wow. Um, and that's just God. Um, yes. They didn't even know yes. us. Um, obviously, there was still some vetting that was going to take place, but sure. um, it was still like a risk for them. Um, 
so that began conversations with them. And then now, you know, we do, um, we, we did not think we wanted to go into full-time ministry, not because we don't have a heart for ministry, but we did not want to raise support. We did not want to ask people for money. Now, God changed our hearts about that um, Mm -hmm. because he was very clearly calling us to this ministry. And a large part of what we do is that marriage ministry. Um, Mm -hmm. We are also involved in ministry with cadets at the Air Force Academy. So we're part of large group meetings of about 100 cadets on Mondays. Um, There's men's and women's Bible studies on Wednesdays. My husband and I disciple one-on-one. So I disciple female cadets. He does the men. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we lead the pre-marriage classes for all the cadets that are a part of our organization that are engaged. That can be military, military, or military civilian, you know, just depending. Now, is this um, a side thing that you guys do, or is this also part of the ministry? This is all part of our ministry that we do with okay. crew. Um, but we very, very clearly felt that God was calling us. Mm-hmm. And so even though we had always told each other, we don't want to be missionaries, we don't want to raise support. Um <laughs> God made it clear that he was calling us. And then, um, you know, we basically said, if we're being called, God's going to give us what we need. We just have to do our part. It was very prayerful. It built our faith. Um, And, you know, I'm very, very thankful for my husband's military service. Because of that, we don't have to raise near as much support, um, you know, because he has retirement and benefits, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And we're incredibly blessed. And I'm so you know, I'm so thankful because um, we, yeah. we live in a very expensive place. Colorado Springs is just really expensive. It's expensive over there. Yeah. So, um, but we just, we love what we get to do. Um, and, you know, God just also changed my perspective about missionaries. I mean, I myself had given to missionaries, um, but I didn't want to be that one mm-hmm. asking for money. But God really blessed me with a friend. Um, one of the first women I opened up with about, you know, we were praying about was God calling us to the mission field and a mission field that did not include a, a dirt floor in the United States. And that to me was like bizarre right. that God would even call me to be a, a missionary in a beautiful place where I would actually, you know, have electricity. Um, and I probably was very naive that I didn't know that you could, you know, not have <laughs> dirt floors and be a missionary, but, and I was just sharing with her just this struggle, you know, that we didn't, we didn't want to have to ask people. And she said, you know, Beth, I'm just going to challenge you on that because my husband and I are very mission minded. We know we don't want to be missionaries though, but we've, she said, my husband's goal is to fly for the airlines because we know we will make good money and we can give generously. And that's one of our huge motivations for wanting to do that. Uh And she said, we want to be involved in missions, but with our giving, that's what God's Mm -hmm. called us to do. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, huh, that's such an interesting perspective. And then, not the next month, we met a couple that had been praying about an opportunity to invest in military marriages in Colorado. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. And so it just really built our faith even, right? We had to do our part, um, Mm -hmm. you know, by being trained and crew equipped us very well. Um, And we also had to get some theological training. Mm -hmm. Um, But it built our faith because we had to rely on God. I mean, when you're raising support, it's, it's just beyond anything that you think you could do in your own strength because you can't, right? Mm-hmm. You have to rely upon the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, you know, those hard things we go through, they're hard, yes, but they're good for us. And so it was good for us to have to go through that hard thing. And also just, it solidified our calling because God mm-hmm. did bring in people that wanted to join our team that wanted to be a part of what we were doing. 
<laughs> and, mo- and, so- and most of our partners really, they consider, you know, I tell them when I sit down with a cadet and I'm discipling her one-on-one, you're right there at the table with me oh, wow. because I can't be there if you're not giving. Right. Because then I have to have another job. Exactly. Exactly. It's amazing, you know, how the Lord just opens doors in our lives and, you know, and that's why it's so important, even as your your friend was able to give you a perspective. And it's so important to have that friend, as the word says, iron sharpens iron, Mm -hmm. you know, and to be able to give that perspective and say, hey, you need to open up here or, hey, you need to close this door, you Mm -hmm. know, and. Um, it's very important for us as the body of Christ to invest into our friendships, you know, that we have at church instead of always looking for something that we can nitpick at, you know, mm. which we often do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, That's so a great point. If if somebody wanted to support your ministry, uh, where would they go to support you? Um, well, probably two places. First of all, if you just want to learn more about crew military, um, I'll Mm -hmm. tell you super briefly. Um, We are in about 60 locations um, stateside. Those are Mm -hmm. outside of installations, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, Space Force, and Coast Guard. Yes. And um, crewmilitary.org is our website. Um, There's Mm -hmm. contact forms there. You could find out, you know, if you want to find out if there's ministry at your location, there's maps. You could find contact people. Or even if you you can't navigate that, you could just send a message, right? And someone Mm -hmm. would get into contact with you. We are all the basic training um, locations. So for all of the branches where, and we have um, a course that um, the Lord has allowed um, because the leadership has approved, we have an optional course that the basic trainees can go to. It's multi-week, depends by branch on how many weeks it is, but it is an introduction to Jesus Christ and basic discipleship. And so like at Lackland Air Force Base, which is where all of the Air Force goes at one place, the, you know, the Army, you guys spread out to Fort Sill, <laughs> Fort... I can't think right now. Yes, we go everywhere. Well, I don't know that that's basic training, but the different, um, there's one, Georgia, South Carolina. I'm drawing a blank. Anyways. Yeah. We're at all the basic training bases. So that's happening um, Mm -hmm. everywhere. We're at Camp Pendleton. Um, You know, we're all those basic training bases doing that. But we were also, we're also at other operational bases and, um, in those situations, we do um, combat trauma healing. So it's Christ-centered PTSD wow. training wow. and healing. And that is not just for the veteran. Um, it's also mm-hmm. for their spouse um, because mm-hmm. we really believe that secondary PTSD presents itself very similarly. Um, and going through the course together helps husband and wife begin to heal centered on Christ and spouses really need that support as well. Exactly. Usually the life that they are living they can't talk to anyone about because no one would understand. Yeah. Um, so we, they need that support, but we also do marriage and parenting um, ministry at other locations. We're also in 32 other countries. Um, oh and those gosh, are working Beth. with people serving in the military in those countries. Wow. Um, we have, you know, we have people in Ukraine. Um, we wow. have a lot in South and Central America. We have some in Asia. Wow. Um, so that's crew military. And then I um, also blog for military spouses. Um, I just call it spiritual encouragement for military spouses. A lot of it is just struggles that I went through. Like I just wrote a blog on 10 lies that military spouses believe. Oh, um, wow. 
And I've also written a book for military spouses. It is releasing in October of 24. So it's still a good ways out. Uh Um, But it is based on the life of Sarah and Abraham, that story that God gave me that I never knew. And I did not want to be an author my whole life. Um, It's just kind of some doors that God has just recently opened. And I just felt like I needed to be obedient. Um, And so it's really focused on the scriptures. I Mm -hmm. love the word of God. Um, It's a little bit of my story, but you can join my waiting list. And also on my blog, I have other resources. For example, I've got um, a resource that you can access 25 ways to pray for the military. So this can be you know, if, if you are a spouse and you want to know how to pray, um, but just if you have a neighbor who's serving in the military or a nephew or a grandchild mm-hmm. or a friend, um, you know, this is just a resource and it's using scripture. And I firmly believe in the power of praying God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a resource people can go through and everything's free. It's just, it's just a way to point more people to the abundant life that's found in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Beth, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing a story. You know, we, our military people are not exempt from the Lord. They need him just as much as the everyday person, Amen. if not more so. Amen. And so I just thank you for your story. And um, I want to, oh, I just, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to hear your story and the amazing things that both of you guys are doing um, through crew min- ministry. And um, I would love to have you come back on again when your book oh, comes absolutely. out and to be able to promote you and your book on here. And um, and I just thank you so much for coming on here. Great. And I just want to spell to my name for your listeners because like, it's kind of funky. Uh-huh. R-U-N-K-L-E is the spelling. So it's Beth Runkle. R-U-N-K-L-E. All right. Monica, and thanks we- so much for the opportunity just to praise the Lord and talk about all the good things that he has done and can do in people's lives. And right. it's just been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Well, thanks for joining us on Coffee Break with God, a podcast for anyone who wants to grow in their faith and discover the amazing ways that God works in our lives. I hope you enjoyed our inspiring conversations with our guests from different backgrounds, perspectives, and walks of life. So whether you need a shot of inspiration or a dash of encouragement or even a scoop of reflection, I hope this podcast is your perfect companion for a coffee break with God. Till next time. Who's up for a second cup of coffee?